Hey, you're listening to The Centre Podcast. We're a church based in Dural, Sydney, who love Jesus and so want to make Him the centre of our lives, our community and our world. We're going to learn how to do that right now as we sit down and unpack Sunday's sermon. Hey, well... The, the time of the week that I treasure the most. <laughs> Ooh, I like Mitch, that. how you doing? Yeah, well, well. Thanks for recording at a, the beginning of the week. What, what a wild, wild time! <laughs> the, the day after you preach, just oh, might fresh in my mind. <laughs> I was just saying to you off air before that, like, there are sometimes when we're recording on a Thursday, when the next sermon that you're about to do is closer than the sermon that we're about to talk about. Must be hard to juggle all those things in your head sometimes, mate. Yeah, but. that's why I have my computer in front of me. I'm like, oh, that's <laughs> yeah, right. That's what that's I said. I have my notes, my cheat sheets. <laughs> love it, love yeah. it. I uh, heard that you uh, had a had a bit of a wild birthday party oh, yesterday. Yes. <laughs> yes, we had Hazel's fourth, fourth birthday party activity center. Love it. How'd that go? It's good. So good. It's good. Yeah, so yeah. Good. Um, first party without family, so we're just okay. dipping into the water of inviting, you know, other friends. Yeah. You know, which, which, there. which then is the very deep pool of awkward chat with kids' I, parents yeah, that you don't well, know. Actually, um, yeah, actually, I felt kind of responsible to like look after their yeah. parents for Wiggles, so, which I enjoyed. No, it's yeah. good. All worked out well. But That's yeah, awesome. you're right. There's, yeah, <laughs> I feel responsible as the host. I'm like, oh, we've invited these people here. I just don't want them to stand around awkwardly. Yeah. Having, and yeah. Yeah, so... I mean, yeah. look, that that is definitely a part of being a pastor on Sundays, just mm. making new people feel welcomed and yep. all that. You're very good at that, so oh, I'm sure you. I'm sure you <laughs> yes. did a great a grand job. Yeah. So you actually had an inflatable world, or no? We just had in the activity center. Oh, the activity yeah. center. Sorry, <laughs> nice one. Look, yeah. it is the perfect spot for a children's party. It is, it's yeah, really you great. Know, it was a sunny day. Come Kids on, played outside. So good on the on the swings and the flying fox. So good, love yeah, it. Happy days. Did you guys make a cake? Buy a cake? Oh, Rachel made a cake. Ooh. A unicorn coloured cake. A unicorn coloured cake. So yeah, I assume like, rainbow. Yeah. Just okay. Rainbow. Cool. 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 <laughs> just a white cake. Yeah. There you go. Happy birthday, Hazel. Just yeah. lots of colours. So colours in the middle and icing. So yes. Know, so what was it? Pink, green, and orange. I think off the top of my head. Love and it. Was, love it. Yeah. As as we all know. Unicorns are coloured. <laughs> yeah, so that's all, that's all it needed. Yeah, Amazing. Hazel's happy. So good. Um, did you know that in the Old King James Version, unicorns are in the Bible? I did not know that. Yeah, so in Revelation when they're talking about a beast that has one horn, they say okay. unicorn. Okay, there you go. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> what's, what's John, really? sleep, what's John uh, dreaming about yeah, here? Okay. These unicorns. So, I have yeah. to confess I haven't read the KJV for a long time. Oh, look, I, 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 I don't think I've ever read the KJV. Okay. I just heard this and then looked it up. I was like, oh, oh there's there a you unicorn go. in Revelation. There yeah. you go. So <laughs> the more you know, <laughs> unicorns, <laughs> biblical. <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah. Well, um, yeah. Look, I um, I had a lovely little afternoon over mm. at the Pete's place at Josh oh, yeah. and Gabby's place. Uh, they have a little drum kit there that George was just absolutely ripping into. So, yeah. did some bang, played bang, some bang 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 bang. Yeah, it was great. We played some worship music. Josh was on the keys. Gabby was singing. Em and I were just encouragingly nodding along because <laughs> you know we were the least musical there, but <laughs> it was good fun. It's good, good, good. Uh, Use of uh, energy exertion to get George just banging on some drums yeah. and cymbals for well, a bit. Well, so. drummers it uses a lot of energy to whack those. Drums. It does indeed, indeed. And I think that the other thing is it's probably the easiest I- instrument to enter on. 
<laughs> it's like you know, can, can it's it's pretty primal, you know, just get it, get in there, <laughs> bang along. Well, we um, are continuing to go through this treasure series, mm. and you kind of hit us with this question: Where are you storing your treasure? Mm. Um, and and started with this story about Eustace from the Voyage mm. of the Dawn Treader. Um, I think that yeah, there's there's a lot to sort of unpack in this little, as you said, parable that C.S. Mm. Lewis gives us. What did you sort of find most striking about the elements of this story in regards to treasure? Yeah, um, for how it's the extreme caricature, which mm. I guess is what C.S. Lewis is trying to yeah. make a point about that if you're greedy and selfish and angry, that really deep down you're just a dragon, and so. Eustace is transformed into the very creature that he really was. And mm. then oh, on that transformation, realizes that, oh, I don't actually like this very much. This is like miserable. And that's kind of how the, like, his journey is as a dragon. He mm. hasn't accomplished all that he thought he would. Getting all those treasures didn't mm. satisfy his life. And mm. it's only until Aslan, well, he tries to peel his skin off and he can't do that. And then Aslan has to like cut through and yeah. it's all very painful for him but then afterwards little boy is there and so it's a great parable for how what Christ does in our lives mm. of yeah on on the surface we may not seem dragon like but yeah. our sin is really like that and mm. yeah we we walk around as these yeah sinful people that need Jesus mm. and that transformation it may be painful to mm. give up our old life to give up that treasure and where we're storing it but ultimately come out as a person and i have a bit of a saying that i like there's um we, christ wants us to live as the, in the image that he intended mm. um yeah we're created to be in the image of god and jesus is a perfect image of god and so thus that we should be reflecting Jesus' yeah. image, God's image. And so that's what he wants us to be reflecting the image that we were created in. So good. Um, yeah. I think that there is so much to pull out of this story. And one mm. thing I think sort of really goes to the first point of your sermon, which is Eustace um, sort of becomes this dragon and and doesn't realize it until he's he's fully formed. Mm. And I think that a lot of these sort of traps that we can fall into, and I think Sue Webb shared it so beautifully and, and so, you know, re really vulnerably uh, at the end of the service about how um, with shopping, for instance, for her, it was something which it wasn't until someone else called it out. Mm. It was almost like, you know, the scales had dropped from her eyes or she suddenly realized. Mm. And I think that that can be the reality that most of us fall into that you know it's not that Eustace noticed that yeah. you know there was some scales on mm. his on his arms first and who's slowly becoming this thing it's like oh wow like I've here I mm. am in this fully you know formed situation and I think that this question that you sort of posed um, about uh, I suppose you know what what is your heart needing because mm. that'll help you find your purpose your treasure reveals what your heart needs to find your purpose yeah. Um, I think that's a really profound idea because I think that a lot of the time we, I think, can connect treasure with like our heart's desires and needs. But taking that one step further with your purpose and even identity, mm. um, I think is doing the real deep work mm. that we need to be doing to help um, walk that path with the Holy Spirit yeah. because... You know, we can we can pray for for God to do a work in us, but ultimately, 
you're sort of just asking God to deal with the symptoms and not actually the root problem. Yeah. Um, I'd love for you to talk into a little bit of that about what are ways and examples that you can see a certain type of treasure um, maybe actually informing a certain type of identity or purpose. Mm. Well, let's go with um, uh, a job. So <clears throat> your identity, let's see, is like a banker. You're, you work in a bank and your identity is wrapped around in a bank. And if the bank is going to make you redundant and you become anxious, how am I going to provide for my family? How mm. am I going to do that? You start to, or even to like, well, what am I going to do with my time and my energy? You need to realize as you start to dig deeper that ultimately this fear is a fear that God will not provide. Mm. And so, okay. And it's, um, Henry Weinsinger, he's a psychologist. He talks a lot about emotional intelligence. He's not a Christian from what I understand, but he talks about this sort of, we catastrophize things. And he mm. uses an example in the workplace. Say the boss says, oh, you know, I want to talk to you. Some people go from, oh my goodness, I'm in trouble. Oh my goodness, I'm going to fight. How am I going to like feed my family? How, how am I going to like, how am I going to get another job? And suddenly a, a, a throwaway comment about, oh, can we just chat has ended up within a space for a few seconds to, I'm going to lose my job. I'm going to be destitute. My yeah. wife's going to leave me. Yeah. And all the bosses ask, oh, can we have a chat? And there's nothing wrong. And yeah. so part two, that catastrophizing is easy to do because it's driven out of, well, do I actually trust that God will provide for me that God will care for me and so yeah the idea of treasure reveals what your heart needs and that mm. need in inverted commas is well I need this job for my identity to have status because I want to live a certain lifestyle and or I need this job to feed my family which is an honorable noble thing mm. but at the core of it if you lose the job and you lose your identity and lose your status and you're f forced out Part of it is, well, do you actually think that God will care for you, that God will provide for you? And that's what I see is so powerful about this section on the Sermon on the Mount mm. is that Jesus was speaking to people who, yeah, 90% of them were subsistence farmers mm. or perhaps like Peter, James and John were, were fishermen. Yeah. And so, yeah, that article that I mentioned by Hanson, just, yeah, it's nerdy, but just in that table I put up, but it's kind of helpful to see, like, at the top mm. is Augustus, the emperor, and then you've got, um, yeah, Herod underneath that, the like king of Judea. And then beneath that, you just got all these kind of bureaucrats. And really, the only people who are benefiting from this is sort of the top echelon. Mm. Um, yeah, in the ancient world, they reckon that six people owned all the land, like it was wow. six families. Yeah, That's yeah. sort of... The real one. Yeah, you yeah. know. Everyone else is down here at the bottom struggling to make ends meet. They've sure. got exuberant taxes to pay. There's high rent on lands. Yeah. There's, you know, it's, if your harvest fails, they're still demanding. And so these were people that were living hand to mouth. And in a sense, it makes sense that they'd want to store lots of treasure. And Jesus is saying really upside down advice. Like the wisdom of Proverbs yeah. is, you know, you store, you work hard to have money and blessing in Jesus he's not anti that mm. but he's saying at the core of it like do you trust God enough to provide mm. and yeah and I think for us today we don't have well some people do in Australia but the, for the majority of us we're not worried about where the next meal's mm. coming from mm. if our fridge is empty most of the time it's because we've forgotten to go shopping mm. <laughs> then mm. yeah rather than because 
yeah, we don't have food on the table. And so, but we have other things, other needs to find our purpose. And I want to tell you, particularly in the fitness sort of industry, this is one that probably can, I can speak into a lot more is that, yeah, you go on Instagram and you see all these like really fit people mm. and then you kind of think, well, that's what I need to do to like be accomplished mm. in life. Mm. And and unfortunately, how the algorithm works is it targets the top 1% of people. So all you see is all these really fit people. Mm. And then suddenly you get this body dysmorphia because mm. you're like, well, I don't look like that. Mm. And I'm working out. And, so that, and then you start to realize that, well, those people look that way because they take performance-enhancing drugs mm. or that this is their job. Yeah, <laughs> that's a big one as they're well. They're paid yeah. to do this yeah. and they use professional lighting. And yeah. yeah, and then suddenly what is something that should be really good and healthy, like exercise mm. there to you know, improve mobility, heart function, liver function, all that stuff, all mm. good stuff can become like this idol and suddenly... Yeah, it becomes this terrible thing. Your purpose in life is just to look a certain way, which, mm. yeah, funnily enough, you don't work out for a couple of weeks. You lose all those gains very easily. Mm. And so, so I love about this one commentator, Jonathan Pennington. It was his commentator. He pointed out, I never noticed that, that Jesus uses like the moth. Mm. And there's a bit of debate about whether it's vermin or rust because the literal word means to eat. So it could, could be yeah. both. But either way, it's he doesn't go... Yeah, that, you know, don't stop treasures on earth where fire and, you know, mm. storms could destroy you, but yeah. moth and vermin slash rust mm. and thieves. So these are small things. Like, it's yeah. so fragile. And even going back to a fitness thing, there's, um, it only takes throwing out, like, some muscles in your glutes. Yeah. Your whole back can be, like, stuffed. Or yeah. the, the multivitous muscle around your spine and you can have back pain, like crippling back pain. Like it only takes a small thing, as we yeah. know, to just completely destroy something. Mm. Um, and that's in lots of areas in life. And so, yeah, if you're building a foundation on something that can be so easily mm. destroyed, mm. like he's going to have this miserable life, mm. which is what Jesus is saying. And what I like about Jonathan Pennington's commentary on the Sermon Mount, he frames it around flourishing. It's called the Sermon on the Mount and flourishing. Mm. And so he says a lot of things that most commentaries on the Sermon on the Mount say. They're all sure. pretty similar. But yeah, I like that framing around flourishing is that Jesus is trying to point people to living mm. the, well, their best life now. <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> like yeah. a bird word. And yeah, yeah. yeah that, that real flourishing of that. Hey, like anxiety is something terrible. And mm. yeah, Jesus acknowledges that. that mm. Hey, like, you know, don't, don't be anxious about this stuff look around mm. at creation don't worry about life mm. if I, if God feeds the birds and the flowers or clothes the, you know, the grass of flowers mm. how much more is he going to look after you and so it's not not a magical force field that will protect us from all of life's issues but certainly a lot more helpful mm. to be like thinking that way in the middle of a crisis than sitting up at night worrying and yeah, the Bible says a lot about don't be afraid, don't be anxious about anything. I think God recognizes that, that as humans, we live in a sinful world where there is a lot of anxiousness, where, yeah, where it be geopolitical conflicts or mortgage stress, cost of living stuff. God recognizes that and knows that. And 
yeah, he doesn't like that, that little diagram I had up of the general anxiety disorder. He doesn't want us to be restless and fatigued and worried and you know sore and have impaired concentration. That's mm. what's keeping. Mm. He doesn't want us to live that way. And yeah. I see this as, yeah, the great, <coughs> great cure to anxiety because it does get at the heart, and and but that's hard to, to unpack. Well, let's let's part. take that example mm. of you know let's say somebody whose treasure is a six pack. Mm. Um, I guess your heart's need there um, it goes goes beyond you know like three thousand likes on Instagram. Mm. Like that that's that's not really the the last step mm. in that trail. Like for me, um, one example because I'm sure that there's many you know reasons. Maybe mm. you know you had someone your whole life who told you you were ugly, you know, mm. and like would never amount to anything, and you want to prove them wrong, you know. Um, or maybe it's just a deep need to be loved mm. and valued. Um, I feel like for me, that's kind of get, getting to the real heart mm. of the issue when you start to be like, okay, cool, you know, like. Well, m- money can be a bunch of things. I mean, mm. money can be freedom. Mm. Money can be power. <laughs> you know, money can be pleasure. Mm. Like, it can be all of these different things. And I think that this is, like, a really great question for me that you asked because I think that when we start to go that little bit deeper and start to go, okay, cool, really, like, most of these treasures are just almost symbols for something much mm. deeper. And usually it's a it's a much deeper core primal want mm. to be loved to be safe to be recognized mm. and seen and i think that when we start to do that deeper work i mean we see that that really is the crux of whether it's you know money mm. or sex or power in and of itself mm. you know all of these you know big three um what is scandal noted Brian Houston used to say the the three G um, gold glory and girls or guys three G um, these sort of things which we place on such high importance mm. they're not actually the means to the ends either and I think mm. that it doesn't actually take that much introspection to no. really reveal that yeah. but you need to do that reflection to yeah. actually recognize what's going on like Deep. why am I actually mm. placing this as my treasure. And I think that's what's so wonderful about the Sermon on the Mount is that Jesus takes Torah, which had become very external. Mm. And it's, not, it's obviously not the passage we looked at, but when he says, oh, you know, you haven't murdered someone, oh, good for you. If you hated someone, that's the same. Mm. And you're like, ooh, okay, we've yeah. probably all done that. Oh, you haven't committed adultery? Oh, good for you. But have you lost it in your heart? And it's like, ooh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I remember someone from college when that, the Ashley Madison, I think it was, scandaled. Yep. Yep. He's actually, I don't know, anyway, the, that cheating website and all yep. the names got leaked. Yep. And someone just said, yeah, as terrible as this is, but probably each and every one of you in this room has probably done committed adultery. So, like in your heart at least. So, yeah. like before God, you all stand just as condemned. And so, yeah, Jesus is really you're doing that, getting to the heart of what Torah is about, mm. is that it's about in here and digging mm. out those idols not mm. just yeah it wasn't until um i read keller's book on what's it called hidden oh, counterfeit gods that's it yeah i hadn't really thought of idolatry like that which sounds really silly but he has yeah. a gum but yeah it's again when someone sort of shows you oh, yeah i think i can find the quote somewhere i have his book here 
but eventually I'll give the paraphrase yeah. where um talks about um it's all on the line here Tim Keller's legacy <laughs> I don't know um uh, I can't find it where it is but essentially he says well we might not um worship the god of Artemis but how many young ladies um will yeah, go to the gym and sacrifice their yeah, body image to look a certain way or mm. we might not be committing child sacrifice to, to Molech but mm. how many fathers have sacrificed their children in order to pursue a career mm. now that's yeah. summarize, paraphrasing what he said yeah. and I remember reading that line and that just completely reframed how I thought of idolatry so the sort of idolatry is an ancient Near Eastern thing yeah, like, oh, that's sure. what they did back in Jesus' yeah. day you know, they, well, yeah. to Israel's day they worshipped idols and actually well, idols are yeah. so much deeper yeah. and it was that moment that I began to see oh like these are things that are within our heart and that yeah that idea of like where your treasure is there your heart is also and that's yeah that, that Jewish way of thinking about heart is not just well where you like something like heart becomes essentially your whole being person yeah. it's sort of everything it becomes who you are which yeah. is why yeah I love that sort of image of Eustace becoming a dragon because I feel like that's mm. tapping into that Hebraic way of seeing the heart is that what your heart lusts for that's what you become your mm. treasure transforms you mm. um, and so yeah for us we, a question this is something that I work through it's not like I'm suddenly I'm a super Christian and Wait, not sorry hold the press <laughs> <laughs> like yeah not I, perfect you, know, you heard it not perfect first. I know like I like, and I found this week I find each week in the last sort of month or so preparing these sermons I get challenged to have to live out yeah. the sermon and yeah. yeah just some stuff happened last week in the center I'm like hmm, yeah how do I seek first the kingdom in this and not worry it's mm. like I actually have to let go and trust yeah. God in this that he will provide and so that was I felt that like when it came up I was like I was like this is a lesson for me that I have yeah. to actually live out this sermon right now yeah. to pray and go like I just have to leave it in your hands Lord and just yeah. trust that you will deal with it yeah. and so which is very liberating mm. um, yeah I can see why Jesus does that because yeah I've done it I think we all have we've stayed awake at night stressed about yeah. things and like sometimes we're thr thrust into very stressful situations not saying that yeah we just always you know look on the bright side of life yeah, always yeah. just kind of put our happy face on but mm. yeah recognizing that that by giving it over to God recognizing the, the difficulty of this situation yeah but to trusting in him whatever happens and that's a mm. yeah, big step forward speaking on mm. that anxiety I think you did a really great job at identifying generalized anxiety disorder, um, which I think, you know, a lot of people experience circumstantially. Mm. Um, but there is obviously people probably, you know, within our congregation uh, and definitely in our world who have a maybe more clinical anxiety disorder. Mm. Um, what would be the nuance of advice between, you know, therefore I tell you, do not worry, mm. do not be anxious about anything to somebody who maybe is anxious, you know, justifiably yeah. so about something that's circumstantial and someone who's been journeying with something which is much more debilitating, yeah. having anxiety disorders. What, what's that tension yeah. of taking this passage? Is that mm. enough? Would you sort of refer something else? Um, so I'd frame someone that actually suffers from anxiety 
as part of the sanctification journey mm. like that it's not a simple I think that's where a lot of actually we, do we talk about this podcast or off air last week about no. too many pastors uh, oh, like, st- yeah people needing yeah. to stay in their lane yeah. just because you're a senior pastor of a church doesn't, doesn't mean, mean you should write a book on anxiety yeah, yeah. or on raising children yeah. if you have no yeah. clinical training or experience in that so, so I'd frame it around that as seeing anxiety as just one of the many yeah things that we live in a fallen world and this yeah for some people like coming to Jesus so you hear it sometimes oh I was a drag addict and as soon as I came to the Lord oh, never ever touch drugs again that yeah. happens where yeah. some people there is a Catholic priest whose name I've totally forgotten I remember Brian Codrington talking about him he struggled with alcoholism for like 20 years mm. like it would go on and off there's some people that yeah. struggle with things they just don't and it's part of their their journey of faith mm. and I, I see in a similar way like having clinical anxiety as part of that there is yeah it's not just a simple oh don't be anxious that's just yeah. really like undermine that's not helpful that's just patronizing them of like well they know that but and these are deeper things to be worked through Mm. and preferably with a christian Mm. psychologist or counselor someone that can frame it biblically um yeah yeah, it'd be like just telling it well murray just stop sinning yeah yeah. (laughs) thank you (laughs) cool i'll I'll take like that's how i see it is that there's we um we have no problem with people feeling well, not we. Okay, some people will see physical pain as not sinful. Like if I fall down and break my arm, no one goes, "Oh, well, that's sin." Yeah, most people, yeah, yeah, most yeah, people, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, okay, recognize. But when it comes to like mental health or like yeah. neurological disorders, yeah. it's like, oh, yeah. it's a similar thing. It's it's a it's well, a yeah. there's a something broken, something not quite wider, something that needs help to yeah. to guide with. And yeah, I think of Asher. Like the kid has five major defects in his heart. Yeah. All his internal organs are flipped. Now, no one looks in and says, well, that's just sinful. Needful faith. Yeah, no, yeah, <laughs> well, that's yeah. sinful. It's just how he's born, like how yeah. I'm tall and others are short. And mm. Yeah, and so for him, like, that's a physiological issue that yeah. he has where yeah. others, it, it becomes a neurological one. Mm. And so, yeah, working through that, yeah, not just to give, like, simple, straightforward answers, but, yeah. like, at the core of it, just pointing people to that hope of, okay, mm. And this is partly why I was pretty keen to get a counsellor here on site is recognising, well, I did two pastoral care subjects at college. Mm. Both of those were by distance without any, like, (laughs) like pracs I've done. I did Baptist Care's Spiritual Carers course, which was a one-day thing, and we did a bit of role-playing. That's about the extent of the clinical training I had. I'm not going to be... Yeah, this is why I I love about... the about the centre is we have funding through Care and Concern to refer people on yeah. to things that are higher. Yeah. yeah. I'm happy to listen to people when they're going through struggles and pray with them, but when there's deep mm. clinical things, that's where you need yeah. expert help. I think like a helpful analogy is I, I see us as pastors as sort of spiritual GPs. <laughs> and it's like, you know, people who have all sorts of problems kind of, mm. you know, might come and, and seek counsel and support and prayer but ultimately like if i go into a a real gp Mm -hmm. um and i have you know a melanoma on my back or a broken Mm. nose or you know whatever a messed up foot they're probably going to you know put me forward Mm. on to you know somebody who specializes in that Mm. area 
and I think that yeah there is definitely a culture now um, a, a new wave of pastoral thinking which says well hold on like I'm not a psychologist you know I'm not a marriage counsellor I'm not a you know insert mm-hmm. anything else there um, let's journey along with mm. you let's pray for you yeah. let's you know point you towards scripture mm. which could be helpful but ultimately like let's get you some specialised help mm. with you know hopefully godly women and men yeah. who are trained in this who can really see you have full spiritual healing in this Mm. I think that that is something which is really important to recognize that there is no shame in seeking you know medical help with these things Mm. it's not an indictment on you it's not an indictment on God Um, it really is I think part of holistic healing Mm. which takes place Um, Mm. you know it is really interesting even when Jesus heals a leper he goes now like go to the priest so Mm. that he can sort of you know see that you are clean yeah. It's like, hey, like Jesus wasn't saying, hey, like forget all the other processes, like still go through that process. But let's make sure that first and foremost, you're seeking the kingdom of God <laughs> mm. and then everything else can come yeah. out of that. And like, um, uh, Dr. Mark Laser, he, he deals with, um, I think he's, he's actually dead now. He just passed away a couple of years ago. He, he was, I should say, um, dealing with, sexual obsession and mm. um he had in one of his books he had something that i've never forgotten he uses john 9 as a par- bit of a parable for the healing treatment for a lot of his patients mm. and so jesus asked the man like do you want mm. to be healed yeah it's good because that's the first port of call is some people actually don't want to be healed mm. um and so yeah and like and that's part of like digging through this and so like talking about where you're storing your treasures like we're asking that same thing well do you actually want to store them in heaven or do you actually happy here on earth Mm. like just working through that and recognizing that and so yeah that's what he argues that's the first step for people that are serious about finding treatment like you actually didn't want this or is this just something that you know you should be doing yeah and like yeah a bit like people signing up for gyms. It's like, yeah, I know I should be doing this, but yeah, that's cool. Like signing up's the first step, but yeah, actually turning up, yeah, and committing is yeah. so absolutely, yeah. And I think that you know, in, in in all of these things, another thing that I found quite striking about that Eustace story um, that Lewis writes is the painful nature of shedding this skin of shedding you know in the case of this story the the dragon skin that Aslan literally needs to tear off him with his you know tooth and nail but I think that that is a really interesting idea that it sometimes can be painful work um it's sometimes is is very deep work and Mm. a lot deeper than maybe we want to go um but I think that there is something in that that there is ultimately has to be a willingness and a willingness to go on that journey. Mm. Um, Even if, yeah, like, look, for example, if you are, again, going with the analogy of being physically ill in some way, having to go through rehabilitation, Mm. like that is a lot of the time a super painful and drawn out process that takes commitment and for you to come back again, again, again. But yeah, as as we keep on coming back to it, it's like, well, like, what's at the heart of it? Like, mm-hmm. do you really want to be healed? Do you really mm-hmm. want to be freed from this? I can't help but think of, you know, something like you sort of spoke about, you know, sexual disorder that Laser writes about. You know, so often, like, porn addiction, for instance, mm-hmm. is something which, you know, is is just the symptom. 
and not the actual the illness mm. or the disease which is you know either there's somebody who has you know a lot of the time porn can be used to deal with anxiety mm. you know or deal with loneliness or deal with you know all sorts of things which unless you really get down to the root of it just you know putting a blocker on your phone is not actually yeah. going to fix the problem because you're just going to find another way yeah, you know so sure if you're a drug addict yeah first thing mm-hmm. like delete your dealer's number that's great but that's like the 12 steps program yeah. recognizes that that's not enough yeah you've got to do the deep work uh, yeah and that's what i guess we're coming to this passage is jesus may not use that language but ultimately that's what we need to do and yeah it's also around that like that question about where are you storing your treasure mm. but yeah like where is your priority and i think for me this is why matthew six thirty three has been so pivotal in my life in the yeah in the times where things have seemed a bit grim it's like just keep seeking first the kingdom and keep seeking first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you it's almost like mm. for me it's like that promise of mm. cling on to and then seeking that healing it's like okay if if you do this if you keep pursuing the kingdom mm. the rest will come mm. and so i've sort of interpreted in my life the rest being not necessarily food water and clothing but yeah mm. meaning identity mm. purpose mm. like okay god will sort of supplement that god will provide that for me mm. in that and yeah cuz this is the most important thing as jesus is pointing to is that being citizens of the kingdom is the most life-giving thing mm. ever. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's interesting at how, say this year, how quickly this year has gone. Um, it's already March 4th. I think, oh, didn't January just clock around? And so, yeah, life just seems to slip away. And it's something I'd first find deeply depressing if this was all we had, mm. was this life, and it's over. And it's like, oh, all these things, it's kind of, it's, tapping a bit to Ecclesiastes but mm. all the things you work so hard for yeah. where are they yeah. hmm, someone else might take them and mm. abuse them yeah. whereas no, knowledge of the kingdom and its eternalness if that's the mm. word mm. eternal nature of the kingdom that's yeah. probably better yeah. yeah I know that I'm investing and Jesus saying in a sense yeah do store store up treasure in heaven and probably didn't talk about it very well because I actually ran out of time. I was thinking, ah, ran out of time on Sunday. But yeah, storing up treasure in heaven is not just some sort of heavenly bank full of treasure. Yeah. I see yeah, it yeah, as yeah, like... Yeah. Yeah. Getting great interest. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, if the kingdom's here on earth, which in what we believe is so that Jesus started the kingdom mm-hmm. and yeah, when we, and Jesus has gone to heaven and will return one day, the idea of bringing his rule and reign mm-hmm. over this earth, like like seeking the kingdom and building up treasure it's building up the righteousness that jesus desires Mm. it's investing in things which spread the news Mm. of jesus it's yeah yeah, so some of that will be giving things up financially Mm. some of it will be giving up time some of it will just be yeah serving god in a way that brings Mm. shalom and Mm. flourishing Mm. in a region that's what i see about storing up treasure in heaven it's Mm. making sacrifices here in this time and space Mm. for something greater and yeah as Keller says in his um (laughs) yeah book people are very happy to sacrifice to the modern idols of Artemis with you know young ladies sticking their head over a toilet to look a certain way or going to the gym non-stop or yeah people 
working themselves to the bone and never seeing their families uh, sacrifice so they see that as okay but how like where does that leave them where the sacrifice here mm. for the kingdom just so much more so much mm. greater so much more eternal and just yeah mm. like I said on Sunday you wouldn't click a scam link mm. like yeah. what's that going to achieve so We've spoken about um, treasure a lot today in a negative sense. <laughs> um, and I, I mean that in um, speaking about things which people might ha- hold as treasure, mm. which have no redemption, have no redeeming qualities in it. And I think you brought up something just then about the way that we can use, the, you know, the let's say the blessing that we have mm. and the things that we have at our disposal, which can become treasure, mm. um, to not only use it in a way to ensure they don't become idols, they don't become treasure mm. in our lives, but to actually see the proliferation of God's kingdom on earth mm. in a more powerful way. Um, yeah, I, I suppose, what's the place that something such as money has to play in all of mm. this? Because, you know, I, I sure you would agree, I, I don't think Jesus's message is then just go out and you know live in a cave and you know just rely mm. on ravens to bring you manna every day yeah like um, still continue to work still continue to yeah it's interesting it's in luke's gospel it talks about the women who help fund his ministry and so yeah um i see the gospels and acts as being more descriptive rather than prescriptive yeah. because in 1 corinthians 16 paul talks about taking a collection um mm. Kind of those people who worked to have houses. So in Corinth, there's lots of problems, but you needed the wealthy people who had houses to have worship services. Like if everyone was just... And so AXA shares a model of like the perfect jubilee where there's no poor people, which was the intention of being in the promised land. There's no poor. And so you kind of get a snippet of what God's intention was Mm. of that, but it all falls apart pretty quickly. But yeah, yeah, that's, that's... you see that in, say, Lydia. She's a mm. dealer of yeah. purple cloth. Purple I mean, cloth. she's wealthy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, there's Paul's like, hey, now you need to, like, sell your business and become a pauper. There's mm. no indication of that. Mm. There's what well, there is indications of people are called in whatever season they're in and they keep working in that as a kingdom. Mm. And so, yeah, um, K.P. Yohanan, he started Gospel for Asia, and he said something, he goes, if people's spirituality was measured by their poverty, India would be the most spiritual country in the world. Now, he's Indian, that's where he's from. And he says, like, being poor doesn't make you spiritual, and being super rich doesn't make you unspiritual. It's about that priority. Mm. And so he, yeah, he says, you can be a multi-millionaire and have an absolute heart for God. It's just, essentially, it's how you use Mm. treasure. You can be... You can own one possession, that could be your idol. You can mm. own a million and none of them be your idol. It's yeah. not about what you have or what you don't have. It's mm. about where your heart is. And that's, yeah, I guess the crux of how we use our treasure is that, well, when Jesus said about the eye, if you have a good eye and like the idea of light coming in is that you're mm. generous. If you have a bad eye or an evil eye, you, you're stingy. And I guess that comes down to are you stingy or are you generous? Are you able to sort of... Jesus says another place in the Gospels, you know, put a feast on for those who can't repay you because you will be rewarded. That Mm. idea of like, well, if I'm generous, I know I'm going to be rewarded. Mm. Kerry Herkus said something which I found really, really like helpful when we were praying. She's like, oh, I just pray that God honors our 
graciousness with people here at the centre. We sometimes make decisions which are really poor business decisions for the sake of like caring for people. So, you know, we'll yeah, pay for things or let people have time off paid or whatever it is. And she's like, I just pray that God blesses that. And we're talking about inflatable world as like, I'd rather run those um, inflatable world family nights and lose the money we would have for a private hire. Mm. And she's like, yeah, like that's a bad business decision. Yeah. To, but it's an important spiritual one. And so yeah. she's like, I just pray that God honors that. It's like, well, mm. we're going to like, yeah, lose out a whole bunch of money and have yeah. to pay, still pay the staff to be here. Yeah. But that's okay because we see that as part of our kingdom ministry. So that's yeah. like an example. We do things that are really like silly, but that's okay because mm. we just trust that God will honor that yeah. rather than being close-fisted about and mm. so that that's i see just as like a simple example of how mm. we can use yeah our treasures long way to build into heaven so yeah. good mm. um i'll save the super curly question right for the end close. <laughs> but to be fair it was your question so i, I don't yeah. feel that bad no, no, okay. um how does this passage and this teaching mm. around do not be anxious about what you'll eat what mm. you'll wear um apply to people who genuinely don't have enough to eat people who genuinely are homeless and have nothing Mm. to wear people who are living on that poverty line um yeah as you said that was a reality for Mm. some of jesus's first audience members um it's a reality for yeah millions probably billions Mm. of people in our world today how do we negotiate this tension Yeah, that's and that's something that I wrestled with a lot. And I don't know if I have a, the world's greatest answer to this, but so, so if you're going to George Miller, I seem to be reading a lot of George Miller stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> One of the many times he shares about, yeah, just running out of money or running out of milk and not panicking. Mm. He just so there's an interview of him from a pastor. It's called An Hour with George Miller, and the pastor asked him. You know, how has your faith been challenged through this? And he goes, oh, it's constantly being challenged. He goes, last week we ran out of money because I gathered my staff and we prayed. And so I rose to check for 500 pounds mm. without knowing. Mm. I suppose like framing this and thinking about, yeah, stuff in Gaza and Ukraine and people starving even here in Australia. I guess if you if you follow Jesus and go, okay, where's the next meal going to come from? Just stepping out which is really hard to easy say to someone who has money and enough to buy food and going, Lord, I'm just going to trust that you'll provide. And part of being a body of Christ, and in a country like Australia, there are services that provide that. And that's mm-hmm. what I love about hands and feet mm-hmm. is that we do do that. And it's interesting, we had one lady come a couple of weeks ago and she saw it come up on Facebook just she was scrolling and never heard of it and just rocked up and was like oh my goodness this is a church oh my goodness this place is amazing and so yeah and she had some sort of like faith background in that that's how I see kind of God can do this God can lead you um, to people or to services um, yeah but also too I think it puts a bit of an onus on us to Jesus to much he's been given much will be required mm. and James says well you know it's not much point saying well I'll be blessed and filled when someone's hungry and so yeah. I see it as a um, in one sense ultimately for though for everyone it's a <clears throat> call to not idolize to mm. put things above God but yeah also too we have a responsibility and I suppose like this passage isn't meant to be talking about feeding 
the poor and the hungry. And this is where we need to use scripture to interpret scripture. So it's recognizing that Jesus is speaking to a group of people that this was an issue. And he's telling them just to trust God in that. But also, too, on the flip side, Jesus talks a lot about the necessity of us to care for the poor. Mm. And so, but then that can also come in because if you are wealthy and you don't care about your treasure on earth, you will be a lot more like, oh, yeah, I have money. I can give that. I can give you this food. I can be generous with that. And so, it comes like a cycle, yeah, I guess. Totally. And yeah. But there's still, you know, like I said, I could just found this passage hard when. Yeah, flicking through the news and talking about in Gaza, you know, there's humanitarian crisis where people are starving and the Americans are drop parachuting food in. They're saying it's not enough, and you're like, mm. well, where's God in the middle of this? Mm. It's yeah, difficult. But mm. I think for us, yeah, and people like that is if you're Christian, just yeah, cling on to the promises of God. And time and time again, you see that with these faithful missionaries who just had nothing. Yeah, again, going to Mueller, there was another day. They had no food, so they sat everyone at the table mm. and gave grace at an empty table. Mm. And, yeah, someone knocked on the door and food came. Mm. And so sometimes God provides that way. But, yeah, living in a way that God is the God of creation and he can still provide manna in the wilderness. And it's that same God today. Mm. Um, yeah, which doesn't mean it's easy. I'm not saying, oh, well, just if you're in the middle of a terrible situation, no money, I'll oh, just pray about it and it, she'll be right, mate. Yeah, kind of saying that, but also recognizing the challenge of that. Mm. Yeah, yeah, so. and that um, time and time again, God's provision for George Mueller, for instance, came in very real, physicalized yeah. ways. It wasn't, um, it wasn't manna from yeah. heaven in the literal sense, yeah. but yeah, the reality that yeah, yeah. That there are those people who are answering that call yeah. as well. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. So good. Well, we've, uh, yeah, lo- looked at where are you casting your nets? Mm. Where are you storing your treasure? What have we uh, got no, on the agenda got, for got, this we Sunday got about you are what you, <laughs> you are what you eat. All right. Going to be well, giving us some dietetics. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be a sermon on our yeah, diet. Um, so using um, Deuteronomy um, chapter 8 and, and Jesus' temptation in the wilderness as a bit of a stepping stone for... Yeah, how we use the word of God as a way to eat, and and a bit of bit of um Jesus bread of life discourse. Mm. So obviously, when Jesus is tempted by Satan, asks him to yeah turn these stones into bread, and Jesus' response is yeah not to just cr- not just to satisfy the base hunger, but there's a deeper need that humans have, and mm. so yeah, you are what you eat. About eating the word of God, Love actually it. get to tap into our Bible center. <laughs> Come on, so yeah, that that will be the yeah. <laughs> the yeah, the, the number the one center that's been collecting a bit of dust. Yeah, no, we'll number one center will be we'll the dust focus it of it. So, yeah. So good. Well, thanks for the chat, brother. No, thank you. Appreciate it. See you, everyone. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for joining us. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to help others discover this channel. Check out the description if you want to find out more or get in touch with us at the Centre Dural. But in the meantime, praying for God's hand over you as you continue to step into everything Jesus has in store for your life. Be blessed.